Hello and welcome to The Legal Cut, where we dissect your favorite scenes from TV, film, and literature to see how they hold up under the law. I'm Daniel Weber. I'm John Santiago. What topic are we discussing today, John? Well, Dan, today we are asking the question, could Mrs. Doubtfire have successfully argued for a modified custody order after the events of the film if his ex-wife Miranda did not agree to it? All right, John, well, what should we call this episode? Miss Doubtful Custody? I think we should keep it a little more straightforward and call it Defending Doubtfire. I like it. All right, so we're talking about the 1993 film Mrs. Doubtfire, where Robin Williams plays a father who's separated from his children due to a divorce. Heartbroken that he only gets to visit his children one day a week, he devises a plan. He asks his brother, a makeup artist, to disguise him as a woman so that he can work as the housekeeper and nanny at his former wife's house. He's able to pull this off for quite a while, but eventually he's found out. Now, in the film, there's this great montage of Robin Williams' character, Daniel, trying out various types of ladies to impersonate. Now, Dan, if you were to disguise yourself as someone to make yourself unrecognizable, what kind of character would you go for? You know, it might not sound like everybody's first choice of a disguise, but I've always been able to pull off a great Bill Lumberg from the film Office Space. Oh, yes, yes. With the suspenders and everything. <sighs> yeah. Hey, listen, how's it going? I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, oddly enough, Dan, my go-to persona is a Southern accent for some reason. And I look nothing like a southerner, uh, but I like the genteel, high-class southern accent. So I think I would kind of go for that. But apparently, being an elderly Scottish nanny worked out for Robin Williams' character Daniel. All right, John, so let's get into the facts. Daniel Hillard is a loving father, but he has a little too much fun for his own good. He's a voice actor who's frequently unemployed, though on at least one occasion... He's fired from a job for objecting to inappropriate tobacco use in a kid's show, which shows that he's at least got uh, some good reasons for his decisions. But he's also bad with money and with discipline. For example, he throws a party for his son that involves barn animals in San Francisco that violate San Francisco law, and they also violate his wife Miranda's wishes to not throw a party for his son due to his son's bad performance in school. And this somehow escalates to divorce, And because Daniel doesn't have a home or a job, a judge awards full custody to Miranda, his ex-wife, limiting Daniel to visitation only on Saturday nights. And that's where we get into the hijinks. Daniel's brother works in special effects makeup, and he makes a costume and a mask that transforms Daniel into Mrs. Doubtfire, an experienced nanny with a Scottish-English accent. Daniel pulls off some shady stuff messing with Miranda's newspaper ad for a nanny, so he ends up being the only viable applicant for it. He pretends to be the other bad applicants to lower the bar, then he swoops in as sweet Mrs. Doubtfire to guarantee that he gets the nanny position for his own kids. No one gets the wiser to his disguise for a while, and Daniel learns how to be a good parent through being a great nanny. He fools a court-appointed evaluator and Miranda's handsome new boyfriend, Stu, as well. And Daniel gets a day job in a film distribution company, and he learns to maintain a nice apartment as required by the court. 
Daniel gets in with a producer who is impressed by his character work and wants to meet him for dinner, but lo and behold, he's expected to go to dinner at the same restaurant on the same night for Miranda's birthday with the kids. And Stu, her new lover, is also there, but Daniel is invited to join them as Mrs. Doubtfire at the same time he's supposed to be having this producer meeting. We get the classic double-timing date scene, where Daniel is himself with his future boss and Mrs. Doubtfire with his family. Things aren't helped by the boss's insistence that they drink heavily and hijinks ensue. Daniel learns that Stu is allergic to cayenne pepper, so he dumps some in his jambalaya. Hot jambalaya! <laughs> Daniel accidentally talks to his boss then in the Doubtfire costume, but pulls it off as a pitch for a kid's show where he's going to be a wily old lady played by Robin Williams, essentially. Stu starts to choke on his poison jambalaya. Hot jambalaya! <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire, does the Heimlich maneuver, saving Stu, but in the process, he peels off his mask and exposes himself to his ex-wife and his youngest daughter's horror. You definitely don't want to expose yourself dressed up as a lady to your wife and your younger daughter. Generally ill-advised. And later in court, the judge acknowledges that Daniel met the job and apartment requirements but the judge is disturbed by the deception and thus refuses to grant Daniel custody. So Daniel goes on to have a successful show as Mrs. Doubtfire, and his family realizes that they liked having him around all along, even if it was in the lied persona of Mrs. Doubtfire. Miranda changes her mind and stipulates to the court to give Daniel custody of the kids after school so he can see them every day just like he wanted. So in the end, the movie does have a nice ending for everyone, right? Yeah, it takes a little downward dip in terms of the feels towards the end, but then pulls it up right at the last bit to give you some hope out the door. That's good. Well, Dan, why don't we talk about the law? All right, let's get into it. Since this film takes place in San Francisco, we'll look at the California Family Code, under which a joint custody order can be awarded at the court's discretion. Joint custody grants some rights to each parent, but the court determines how each parent will enjoy physical custody over the child or the children within the bounds of each parent's joint custody rights. California makes this determination based on what would be in the best interests of the child, so the rights of the parents are not the primary focus of this decision. And when you say the best interest of the child, what is the court looking for? Well, the court's going to look to, in California, the Family Code Section 3011. This would be a series of factors that they balance in making this determination. John, do you want to run us through the factors that the court considers? Sure, Dan. The first is the health, safety, and welfare of the child or children. The second is any history of abuse towards a child related to or under the care of the person seeking custody. Third is any history of such abuse by the other parent. Fourth, is any history of such abuse by spouses, cohabitants, or generally speaking, significant others of the parents involved. John, this would include somebody like Miranda's boyfriend, Stu, right? Yes, exactly. The fifth factor is the nature and amount of contact with both parents. An example of this would be if one parent abandoned the child to the other's care, but I believe there are exceptions to this consideration in the family code if, for example, you fled the household because of the other spouse's abuse. That's right, Dan. Now, the sixth factor is either parents' habitual or continual use of controlled substances 
whether the use is illegal or prescribed, or their habitual or continual use of alcohol. And finally, the seventh factor is any other factors the court finds relevant. The nice catch-all. After that part of the code, there's an additional section that states that the previously mentioned factors don't apply if there is an agreement between the parents in writing or on the record regarding custody or visitations in the custody context in a divorce proceeding. Now, Dan, do any of these factors seem undisputed? I think we can summarize them to make it go a little quicker. There's the first one, health, safety, and welfare of the child. Then there's two through four, which all look at the people around the child who might have histories of abuse. Five is the nature and amount of each parent's contact with the child. And factor six looks at substance use. I think in the facts of this nice feel-good movie, there's not a lot of things that point to abuse by anybody involved. Daniel the dad is a little bit careless, Miranda the mom is a bit uptight, and Stu the boyfriend is a bit of a jerk, but none of this points to child abuse. Do you think they named Daniel because he's the dad, and Miranda because he's the mom, and Stu because he's the stepfather? I was going to say because he's a stupid imposer on another man's family, but I think oh, that makes more sense. You can't say that about <laughs> you can't say that about James Bond because in this movie, Stu is played by Pierce Brosnan in his full '90s glory. But anyways, we digress. <laughs> we do, we do. Let's see. What does that leave us to discuss, John? That leaves the health, safety, and welfare of the children, which the judge in the film ultimately cites as his concern when he grants Daniel only supervised Saturday visitation. Now, what facts from the film weigh on this factor? Well, John, this is a very broad rule. It can almost be something that would envelop the others. But I would say there's a point where he's poisoned stew by dumping cayenne pepper in his hot jambalaya. That's right, and he does throw a lime at Stu's head earlier in the film, too. True. I mean, I wouldn't say a lime is a sign of a dangerous <laughs> man. <laughs> Can you think of anything else that would fit under this factor? Well, Daniel is violating some court orders by doing this, so the argument could be made that if he is okay with violating court orders, what other kinds of criminal things might he be involved in. Mm-hmm. The court does not look kindly upon a violated court order. Now, what about the nature of each parent's contact with the children? I think Daniel's double identity confuses the analysis here a bit. Yeah, that's right, Dan, because do we analyze Daniel's time spent with his children just as himself alone, or do we also factor in the time he's spending with them as Mrs. Doubtfire? I think this is where the court's wide discretion comes in, in this balancing of the factors. They're probably going to look at everything, and they're definitely looking at the man in the lady's dress. That's true, but one thing I think about is how Daniel only has Saturday afternoons with his children. That seems like a pretty harsh window to put on a parent who, in all other aspects, definitely wants to spend a great deal of time with his kids. Yeah, he definitely had a very weak lawyer at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah. His, his lawyer did not graduate from UCI Law, that is for sure. Without a doubt, not a zealous advocate. What about the drug and alcohol use? I mean, there's some drinking going on in the movie, uh, some of it during pivotal moments, but do you think it adds up enough to be a factor in the judge's decision? 
You know, John, I know alcohol use and drug use is part of a factor that is looked at. I don't think a single instance of getting very drunk would alone be something to keep an eye on. However, he does drink a lot before he poisons Stu. That is true. But then again, in the very beginning of the movie, he quits his job because he doesn't like cartoons advertising tobacco to kids. So it seems like he would be very, very anti-drug substance use. Yeah, and I would say we could probably look at this in the context of it being a stressful situation. He's applying for a job while he's out to dinner with his wife and her new boyfriend and having to do the double date switcheroo as Daniel and Mrs. Doubtfire. Can't blame him for wanting some liquid courage in that situation, right? His boss even encourages it quite a bit. John, does anything else seem worth pointing out, or are you ready to make the case for Mrs. Doubtfire's custody? I think we need to stipulate to the premise, because the movie ends with Miranda and Daniel amicably agreeing to share custody of their children. But today, let's argue over whether the court's custody order should be modified, which a court has the power to do, under Family Code Section 3087, and we'll argue under the assumption that the film did not have a happy ending in which Miranda and Daniel come to an agreement to modify physical custody of the children. John, that sounds like a fun yet challenging argument to make. I believe the moving party goes first, which would be Daniel slash Mrs. Doubtfire because he is seeking to modify the court order. Would you like to argue on behalf of Mrs. Doubtfire? It would be my honor, Dan. This is a case about family. This is a case about a father's love. Daniel disguised himself as Mrs. Doubtfire for one reason and one reason only, to spend time with his children. He cooked for them, cleaned for them, comforted them, and taught them. Is that not what good parenting looks like? Mrs. Doubtfire was arguably a better parent to these children than their mother was. Daniel has no history of abuse toward his children, his former spouse, or any other family members and he has no history of using illegal substances. Look at him now. He's a successful television star. He has an apartment that is suitable for children, and he has learned valuable lessons about what being a true father is all about. Now, Daniel's opponents will point to the fact that he tried to harm his ex-wife's new love, and there is no denying that this was wrong to do. However, he realized the wrongness of his actions and actively saved Stu from certain death. He did this at the expense of revealing himself and facing harsh penalties. How far would you go as a parent to spend time with the people that you love most in this world? Daniel is the type of parent that all parents strive to be and that all children wish they had. Your Honor, grant him partial, if not full, custody of his children. And how about you, Dan? Would you like to argue on behalf of him not getting custody at all? Your Honor, deception and lies. This all started when Daniel Hillard played it fast and reckless. He played it fast and reckless with his job, and he played it fast and reckless with his family. He could not maintain discipline with his family, creating confusion and division between himself, his wife Miranda, and his children. The court's initial decision was to condition custody on Daniel getting a job and maintaining an apartment. 
The court had concerns about Daniel's reliability and his ability to maintain a safe environment for his children. Daniel may have met the court's requirements, but he only added to their concerns. Your Honor, you should be concerned too. The deception that Daniel employed should leave you concerned about the welfare of the children. Daniel lied to his family, and he lied to the court evaluator. We know Mrs. Doubtfire is charming and wonderful, but who is Daniel Hillard when he is not playing a part? We've witnessed Daniel's heavy drinking and his poisoning of Stuart Dunmire. Hoping to live up to his potential boss's party boy expectations, Daniel slams scotches while two-timing his family at dinner. He's drinking scotch with the boss's Daniel, and he's drinking Chardonnay with his family as Mrs. Doubtfire. He learns about Stuart's allergy to cayenne pepper, and he pretty much immediately decides to poison his dinner with cayenne pepper. Daniel may have performed a Heimlich maneuver to prevent Stuart's dying, but he willfully exposed this man to a potentially deadly harm. Does this sound like someone who should be responsible for the care of young and vulnerable children? This court must consider the nature of the time spent with the children and their general welfare. The nature of the time spent with the children was through lies. What does this teach kids? It's okay to lie to get what you want? Does it teach them that you can poison someone you don't like if you're jealous of them? Don't let the charming actor fool you too. For the best interest of the children, keep their visits under supervision. Now, Dan, within your heart of hearts, do you feel like Daniel Hillard should get partial custody of his kids? I feel like he should, but any real person who did this should not. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make a special exception for Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. May he rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think once again, we've covered all the bases, Dan. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. Remember, we have an email account where you can submit questions, comments, and your ideas for new episodes. That email is legalcut at gmail.com. I didn't really get that email address, Dan. What is it again? Why, John? It was legalcut at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more legal analysis of your favorite scenes from pop culture. I'm Dan. I'm John. And this has been The Legal Cut. (laughs) 